Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast, a special edition that everyone has been anxiously awaiting. Dave after dark, the Bearcats invade South Bend, dominate the game, dominate the stadium, and they stamp what could widely be considered as the greatest victory in program history. Let's get to it. Here's the man of the hour, David Simone. Hi, Dave. How about them fucking Bearcats? You know, the, the, the Dave After Dark thing is funny. I was just thinking about this before we got on. Back when Dave After Dark started, we didn't cuss on the podcast. Like, no. we, were pretty, we were pretty buttoned up. And once Dave After Dark started, things got a little bit more loose. And uh, we started talking like humans instead once, of talking like broadcasters. Once I said we shoved it right up UCLA's ass, things kind of uh, went off the rails from there on out. <laughs> so that this isn't going to be, a, you know, a ton different. But this isn't one little, you want to, like, listen with Junior on the way to school or something. Yeah, if you've got a kid in the car or you're, you're playing it on the house speakers, you might want to get the kid out on the trampoline or something. Let's... uh. Let's have it. Let's start from the beginning. Set the scene. What was the tailgate like? What was the atmosphere in South Bend? And how shocking was it that it was so red? I, you know, I give I give credit to Notre Dame as a whole. Like they have the setup down, Pat. Like there are tons of parking lots right by the stadium. You got the Joyce Center where they play basketball. It's right next to the stadium. They got a brand new hockey arena that's, you know, a thousand yards from the stadium. And there's just parking lots everywhere. Lucky for us, like my parents, uh, next door neighbors grew up in South Bend. The guy's mom worked for Notre Dame. So they've had a spot in the Joyce lot forever. And it was awesome. Like tailgate was awesome. Setting was awesome. Like Notre Dame Stadium is the nicest stadium I've ever been in by far. Like, really? Oh, it's super nice. Like the brickwork, the signage, like the numbers they use for the sections. Like it is, it is to the nines. Like it is an awesome, awesome stadium. But the, I mean, there were UC people everywhere. And, you know, as the tailgates filled up and everything, like obviously there's more Notre Dame fans. It's an 80,000 seat stadium. And we probably had 10,000 people. But, like, there, you could tell as it was getting closer to the game, like, there's a lot of red here. And then when you went in and you saw, like, how much we dominated, like, kind of, it was kind of the upper section of the corner of the end zone and then kind of around to the back of the end zone. It was, it was a presence. Like, it was not just a smattering of red here and there, like, I'm imagining it kind of like took some Notre Dame people aback of like, holy shit, there are a lot of UC fans here. It looked incredible on TV. Like when the team came out of the tunnel, the entire wall behind them was nothing but red. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to John Cunningham because I, I mentioned to somebody in the athletic department coming out of the Indiana game, that we have been hit up a million times for like guidance. Like, what are we wearing? What are we supposed to do? 
And I, I think, I don't think they anticipated how much impact that can have or how much people were going to travel. Right. Oh yeah. So I was just like, Hey, you know, maybe let the fan base know like what, to, what to rock. And they did. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Uh, you keep talking. I, I just got a congratulations from, congratulations. from, my, from my Notre Dame friend congratulations to all the uc bearcat fans biggest win in school history you deserved it you were the better team did he hear it i think he yeah, heard it. we got yeah, yeah we heard it i heard it oh it's it's, it's oh it's going on the podcast it's going on but uh but yeah i mean it was the red just I mean stuck out it was it they was nailed it yeah it was absolutely awesome. nailed it and I mean, um it was loud. It, we, there were several times where, like, they would try to play a song. To, like, a lot of they, – they played, like, the um, – oh, oh, a lot. And, like, especially in the first half, like, we would just take that over. <laughs> and, and they kind of, like, fed into, like, us cheering even more. But, yeah, like, let's go Bearcats, down the drive. Like, let's go – you see, like – People had their their vocal cords nice and uh, warmed up. I'll say that. Um, did they did they play your favorite song? Pump it up. You know that I love finding yeah. better, easier no. ways. Did they play pump? No, I did not play pump well, it what up. They not know. Unfortunately. I mean, lucky, lucky for them. They didn't play it. <laughs> if they'd have played that, ooh, it would have been, uh, it would have gotten real. <laughs> gotten a little rowdy, huh? But it, it was like the exact opposite of like the IU game. Like the whole game presentation was great. They, I mean, Notre Dame, like, that was like a real ass fucking football game. They did an awesome, awesome job. Um, there was a little bit of a feeling out process in the first quarter, but I thought it was very evident right away, Dave, that Notre Dame was Jack Cone sucked. <laughs> that Notre Dame was not doing anything offensively against this defense. No, uh, uh-uh, nothing. I mean, even when Pine came in. Like there was, he was, uh, he had a decent start with his first couple passes, but there was a point he was like one for his last seven, one for his last eight. Like, yeah, that that's like, that was, is like the down, the downside of like being in a game live is you don't like see and process like stuff like that. And it's tough to focus on a million different things when you're in the yeah. stands. And, you know, and I, I think, but yeah, they just, I mean, they have a, major issue at quarterback and at skill like they could not get the ball to their receivers yeah i mean they did you know here and there yeah here and there but like it was it was evident that like they couldn't they could not you know run a truly like functional offense they had the 180 yard drive they had the 38 yard drive after the Fumble and the opening one drive in the first half before the Gardner interception was a, was a decent drive, but like there was not a whole lot of after outside of those. 
Dez, second half, I think 9 of 11, 172 yards. He goes for 297, two touchdowns, rushes for the final score. Wasn't a great, great day for Dez, but it was exactly what he needed to do to get this win. What happened when it was nut-cutting time? Dez made that throw to Lenny Taylor. Holy shit. It honestly might be the – there was a throw – I don't know if it was last year or the year before at home, like corner end zone from like where he just, it was a rope. I don't even remember who it was against. It was like student section side of the field, uh, like band corner. But that throw to Lenny was like maybe the best throw he's ever made. Given time, circumstance, like we're not going to fucking sit on this and hope to God that our defense will win us this game. Like we're going to go take it. And that throw was like that, that throw is an NFL throw to your tight end going down the seam that every scout in that place wrote down. I guarantee you. I mean, he led him perfectly. He had the linebacker trailing just enough where he could get the ball out over the play, get it into Lenny's hands. I mean, that really like that, that was, that was and he, even when he like you know was a little off at times his deep ball was on the money today like three yeah. shots to alec pierce the trey tucker touchdown the lenny throw like he was he had it going on his deeper deeper throws and i, you know, I just i've said it forever like coaching quarterback our quarterback is I mean, we can get into it at some point. I still don't want to totally get into it five weeks into the season, but, like, tell me who else you're inviting to New York for the Heisman. Yeah. I mean, right now the, the in the betting odds, he's third. Like Bryce Young and who else? Uh, Cone, or uh, the, the dude Corral? from Ole Miss. Yeah. Corral, yeah. They got stomped today. Now everybody yeah, he was without his uh, – he was without his – number one wide receiver. So oh, I think really? he gets, okay. yeah. But still like Ole Miss could easily lose again. They play in the SEC West, man. Yeah. Like, so, but yeah, I mean like when it, when it mattered, I, I just like, I don't have any like reservations. Like I'm, I'm like, Dezel fig, Dezel do it. Yeah, I mean, and and you saw it at Indiana. You, you saw it again today. When it needed to be done, Des got it done. And uh, Alec Pierce was outstanding today as well. I mean, those two, I, what, five for 100, somewhere around there. He had and, five or six for like 122. I think, yeah, that's where it ended up. I, um, but Holy not just shit. the deep routes. Not just the deep routes. He was he was underneath. He was made, you know, he, he he ran exactly the type of stuff you want to see your number one boundary receiver run. And he was excellent. Excellent. What are you watching? I just I, I got the um we got the Penn State Indiana game on, but I just saw the Alabama's running back had like 36 carries for a buck seventy and four touchdowns. Yeah, it was uh, Alabama. I mean Alabama and Georgia are like 
so far above everybody else. It's not even funny. Like they should just let yeah. them play like a cup best of three or something. <laughs> like, I mean, Georgia did that with their backup quarterback today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Stetson Bennett the third, and they dog walked Arkansas. Stetson Bennett to the third. Esquire. Hey, it was 21 nothing before I left the house to go to the Holy <laughs> Grail. It's 21 nothing. Uh how I this fascinated me today. How shocked were you? Mike Denbrock said, look, Kyle Hamilton's really good but he's really good playing center field. We're going to put that motherfucker in coverage and we're going at it. Well, and that's the thing. It, it didn't, it doesn't shock you when you think about it, but like if you make him cover someone, you're not necessarily saying like he's bad in coverage. We're going to go after him, but like you occupy him and it doesn't allow him to, like you said, play center field freelance, be a playmaker. It, you make him cover somebody. He made what one great play. I mean, I, the where he came off the edge and jumped up and yeah. almost picked off Dez. Yeah. Other than that, I, I don't remember outside of Trey Tucker making him look silly right. in coverage. I don't remember hearing anything from Kyle Hamilton all day. No, he had that big hit on the on the punt return, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm but I'm talking about right. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, like it wasn't like. I didn't catch myself going like, Jesus, Kyle Hamilton's all over the field. He's making plays left and right. Like, you know. Conversely, UC's two best defenders were dominant. My Jay Sanders was a monster. Oh, yeah. Monster. Didn't, again, for whatever, at some point in time, it's going to break and he's going to have like a five sack game. Yeah, but he forced the the one interception. Yeah. Um, and he was just, I mean, he had a couple tackles for loss. He was everywhere. Yep. And Sauce, what they throw at him, twice? I mean, it couldn't have been much. I know he... He had the one pass breakup uh, over the middle. The interception, he was, that wasn't really at him. He just, no, it was, he just happened to be standing right there. Yeah. Cone got hit, but... Like, that's the thing, man, with the defense. They just – we talk about it – we've been talking about it now for what? Going on two years. Like, how are you going to score enough points? Dude, I, I was nice because I really like those guys at Irish Illustrated. And they were very kind to Kelly this week. <laughs> But there, there were a couple predictions. Like most of their predictions had Notre Dame scoring thirty points. You know how many? Like that I know, and I laugh at stuff like that because, like, in the last three years, five teams: Memphis in the conference champion, or in the game before the conference championship. Yeah, they scored twenty nine in the conference championship. Like you can't get to thirty, you just can't do it. ECU in the wild, yeah. like back and forth game. OU and that game that they were sleepwalking for that's two going and a half back quarters. even further. Like that's going back even further. Yeah, like, Central Florida last year. Like, yeah, it's just it's not going to happen, man. Like, you're not thirty. Gonna, you're thirty not get to thirty, man. It's not like no. You're not. You're going to struggle to get to twenty. Like, why did they think that with as anemic as that offense had been, that they would get to thirty? 
I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, there was also a belief that, like, Desmond Ritter was a guy that just was careless with the football. It, it's not true. It's just not. He might be a little inaccurate at times. But he's not, like. He's not throwing into triple coverage. Like, just right. trying to, trying fit, to fit it into small. Yeah, throwing off his back foot. There. Did you think it was interesting that when they went to Pine, that we went more three-man rush just to try to keep him from scrambling? I mean, yeah, a little bit. I would like to have seen a little bit more pressure uh, also, on him because they were doing such a good job getting. I think, too, they should have done more, like, bracket coverage on Mayer. Like, they were not trying to go to anybody else. Yeah. It, well, it got to the point nobody else was open. I mean, they well, were going at they a, were going to Kobe a lot. Well, because Kobe kept bailing. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Like I don't that's part of Trestle's scheme that I don't love. It's 37 and Kobe's bailing 15 yards. They press the boundary and they press the slot and they have Kobe play off 10, 8 10 yards. I don't I don't like. I want I want all three. But like I'm just press. thinking like they're not going to get the ball to anybody else but there like bracket him. Like yeah. chip him, like hit him at like. But it, he's I think it goes. On, he's out there on one damn leg. Yeah, I think it goes back to the 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 point of this defense though is we're gonna let you get little stuff underneath, but you know we're I gonna stop I mean, it. I, for I get 12, that, but like, 15. but like if if that's the only guy they can get the ball to, like take it away. Yeah, but maybe they can get it to somebody else if you're bracketing. Man, uh, I would. I would. I would. Rather have them try to do that. I would rather have them throwing the ball to Kevin Austin, who saw us totally shut down, Avery Davis and Braylon Lindsay or whatever. Like, throw it to those guys all day. Yeah. The running game. I mean, they had a couple nice <laughs> runs and that's a re- Kyron Williams is a really good back. Oh, his balance, his- and Chris Tyree are really good. They're just offensive lines fucking terrible. Yeah, shocked when Tyree had one go right through his wickets. What on the kickoff? Yeah, on the kickoff. That a, that's that's that goofy like ball that you don't know whether to run up and catch or to let it go or to fair catch. Like it just caught it. I think it just caught him bad. But I mean. That's what you need. I mean, of course, you get the the we didn't do the basics. We we beat ourselves. Whatever. I mean, like enough. Like for God's sakes, just you know, just stop it. Like on on Dez's fumble, James Tunstall was a turnstile, or he hits Wiley, and he might he might have walked into the end zone. Yeah. Like. It's a 60-minute game of college kids. Like, you're going to make mistakes, whether it's your own doing or the other team's, you know, doing. But, like, enough of this crap of, like, you know, we just – if we'd have done what we were supposed to do. Like, just stop. I'm so tired of that shit. The the, the turnovers, four, three, four. Three. Three, I think. But then they didn't get one in the second half. Three in the first half. But but two two at least two turnovers on downs. 
Yeah, because the they were, they half. kept. Yeah, Notre Dame kept getting stuck in that no man's land of like right. their, you know, the UC fort, the you know, fort 30, 40, 35, 40 yard line and, and having to make a decision because it was becoming evident, like the farther you went into that game, Notre Dame kicking field goals wasn't wasn't going to do it. No. And Brian Kelly knew it. Brian no, Kelly I... was well aware. Well, no, you. You can't hardly move the ball. Like, what's three points going to do? <laughs> watching this defense is so fun. Like, that's all I kept coming back to watching the game. We had an awesome crowd at the Grail. Thanks to everybody that showed up. It was uh, it was incredible. Again, um, there's just what do they do? Like, when you get in that, like, you get to that reality, right? Of we can't sustain anything against them. We might get 15, 20 yards, get a couple first downs. But the reality is we're not getting all the way to the red zone. We're not getting into the end zone. No. And it has to be demoralizing if you're an offensive coordinator because it doesn't matter what you draw up. They've got it defended. Uh, is Deshaun Pace the next great Bearcat defender? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty evident i mean he's two two games in a row he's making game changing plays and what is he is he a redshirt freshman i mean he's a covid freshman i guess yeah like however you want to look at it yeah but yeah i mean defense is i mean i don't know we, we we've talked about it so much there's not a t- they don't, they're not doing anything different, so I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, they just – you're not going to move the ball. You're not going to have big plays. Like, when's the last time we just flat busted a coverage? Yeah, where somebody's just running free. Just like, oh, shit, that guy just totally – those two <laughs> guys just totally busted a coverage. Like, yeah. teams, teams are going to hit plays. Like, like – The in- touchdown. Indiana Penix like made a couple plays. Like Notre Dame made some plays. Like these are good. Like teams are going to make plays, but like you're not going to make enough plays or sustain enough drives. And now we go, we go we go to the part now where we get into conference play where the defenses are atrocious. What about UCF losing to Navy? Like, I, I mean, know Gabriel was hurt, but like, Jesus Christ, Navy's terrible. Yeah. Our, our boy, Justin Williams, predicted Navy to not win a game. Well, they won one. <laughs> they, they beat UCF. The Gus bus might have a couple flats. <laughs> that bus was full. There might be some people jumping like, off. ECU crushed Tulane. Everyone's like worried about Tulane. Like, you got rolled by ECU. That was 24 nothing at one point. Gave up 61 in three quarters to Ole Miss. Like, I ain't worried about them. I know everybody talks about uh, the D-line and the secondary. But once again, man. Darian Beavers had himself a game, too. Beavers was awesome. Six tackles. A half a sack. I'm looking. I guess he, they credited him that's and bullshit. Brooks. He, no, him and Jabari. Or or no, Jabari, that was, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. No, Malik's sack was the Jabari cleanup. He whipped that – Beavers whipped that left tackle like 
That's not a half sack, man. He got that whole thing. They, they should have given him two. Six tackles, half a sack, and he was everywhere. But Beavers and DeBlanco each with six tackles. Pace and Van Fossen each with six, seven tackles. Yeah, I mean, the thing like, that worried they're me. They're getting amazing linebacker play. The one thing that worried me just was with, I know Notre Dame's offensive line has not been good, but Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree are like high, high-level running backs, and they can make a lot of plays on their own. And that's just always been my worry with the 3-3-5, that you're susceptible up the middle. And if they could get something going in that regard, uh, it could be a problem. They never really did. Um but that's only because they're, I don't know, four or five star type players that are probably both Kyron Williams, definitely, probably both going to be in the NFL. Yeah, I mean Tyree, I think was like the one of the big, uh, like combine events for high school recruits. He was the fastest kid at the event two years in a row. Like. Did you hear? Have you heard any of the post game? Uh, like what? What part of the post game? Like like players, like players press conference stuff. Uh, I mean, I read some some tweets. I mean, what you're gonna say, I might have read, but there's a there's a certain defensive lineman that I, I think if I think if everything had gone as planned, would have committed to Notre Dame. But at the end of the process, they uh, they pulled a scholarship offer, and he, he couldn't commit to Notre Dame when he wanted to. And he ended up at Cincinnati. And uh, it was pretty pretty cool seeing him making the sack that kind of put the game away. Yeah. He was not – he was – he he had the receipts. Let's just was, say that that's – He was doing a lot of waving. He was. He was, he was doing a lot of waving. I'll, I'll say that. If you, if you haven't picked it up, Malik Van is uh is a, is a guy that uh he's a very smart kid and he's a kid that uh he keeps the receipts like if you do him wrong he's he's gonna he, remember that he remembers. shit remembers yeah he gonna remember that shit so it was pretty funny to pretty cool to see him he 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 was dominant today too yeah it wasn't just my jay malik on the other side there were a couple times i watched him just take their uh left guard and treat him like his bitch yeah i mean they ran, they ran some good games because I think Notre Dame has been real susceptible to to that. And I know that the interception, Pace's interception, was on a, a TE stunt. Yeah. And Mijay just rock-bottomed yeah. the quarterback. And what a perfect rock-bottom that was, too. Oh, Caught yeah. him right up underneath the, the, the arm. Bang! It's like, damn, the, like, you gotta send that, we got to send that clip to The Rock. The Rock would have been proud of that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't like. This is what I expected. Like, I've been yeah as bullish on this team as you can it be, didn't... and and I I'm and I haven't stepped away from it. Like, you can call it like confidence or arrogance, or I don't even know necessarily what. But like, I'm I'm not surprised by any of this. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't like, oh, I hope they, you know show up and do like they're they're just flat good they're not alabama and georgia good but no one is but like tell me what team outside of those two that they can't play with 
And I won't say they can beat every other team because I mean, right. that's, that's so that's so games are different. Yeah. So it's one game. Who the hell knows? But like, tell me with a straight face that they can't play with every single team in the country besides Alabama and Georgia. They can't play with Georgia. Well, Georgia's. If JT Daniels plays, that defense is on another level, even compared to last year. Like, the, I'm sure they could play with them, but like, they are. I th- I think they're still like above and beyond. That's fair. That's like, fair. Like Jordan Jordan Davis would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> he would be True. a problem. True. How'd you think the line played today overall? I thought they played pretty good. I thought we ran the ball up the middle a little too much. Um, but, I mean, Isaiah Foskey's a really good defensive end. He gave us some problems. Obviously, the the sack, uh, fumble play. But, you know, there weren't like it wasn't like there was a bunch of free runners. It wasn't like they were getting confused with anything that Notre Dame was doing. I just think Notre Dame's defense has just taken huge steps as – Marcus has kind of been able to, to, you know, to work his scheme and figure out what guys do the be- do the best stuff. But I mean, so it, I, but that's what we knew going in. We thought that this was going to be a defensive line game. Yeah, and it was. So, like, I, I didn't think that they stood out as being awesome, and I didn't think they stood out as being bad. I mean, they're just they're kind of what we think. Like, they're kind of what they are. Like. They're okay. They're not, they're never, this group is not going to be great this year. Um, so you just, you just kind of work around that. Were you surprised and probably not, but, but how well they limited Notre Dame from making splash plays. I mean, you had what two 20 yard catches uh, along with the 32 yard touchdown uh, touchdowns to Lindsay. Uh, what the Kyron Williams, his 16 yard run was the first snap, right? Yeah. Right up the middle. Yeah. Right up the middle. He had 45 yards the rest of the game. Tyree only had 20. I mean, and they had 65 yards between their two backs on 18 carries. Not surprised just because like, I don't think outside of Kyron Williams and Michael Mayer that their skill position players are that good. And they still like, I, I mean, like I said, with Mayer, he had eight catches, but he only had 93 yards. I mean, it wasn't like well, he was, he was also like three. super quiet from the first quarter till the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had he was big in the first quarter. He was big in the fourth quarter, but he didn't do much in the second. And third. Oh, Michael Penix just threw an interception. What a surprise! <laughs> Let me guess. He was pressured, threw it off his back foot, uh, let's, and threw uh, it right I mean, at somebody. He made a hell of a play on the sideline. But, okay. uh but yeah, it was, uh, let's talk a little about Lenny. Lenny T. I mean, that's the, the softest hands in the game. We talked about it all, you know, practice. <clears throat> Preseason he's running practice, him and Des, yeah, he's, you know. He's, he's running good routes. Those two have a great chemistry. That play on the on the goal line was brilliant. Notre oh. Dame had sold out on Ford and Des, and Des just pulls it, takes two steps to the right, Floats at the Lenny wide open in the back of the end zone. I thought their play calling, especially those that well, the one play that got called back was bullshit. Yeah, the by the way, on the illegal man downfield. 
He was downfield because he blocked his guy five yards down the field. He dominated the dude. How is that date? How is that a penalty? I just hate that that penalty. You is have like, to stop blocking at three yards when you're so kicking somebody's ass. They never call it, and then all of a sudden they just decide they're going to call it. How about picking up the roughing the passer? I mean, it was an ACC crew. What would you expect? Notre Dame ain't even in the conference, and they <laughs> were, were in the bag for those guys. The pick – look, it was roughing the passer. It was two steps after the throw. He hit Des in the face. They threw the fucking flag. And then they reconvened and said, oh, boy, we can't do that. <coughs> I mean, give me a break. How yeah. do you pick that flag up? It was pretty rough. All right. What else? What else you got? What else you want to talk about? I know you're busy. You got a you got a whole house full of people. Were you still afraid the rain was coming? Is that why you didn't invite anybody over? You never posted the address. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I think I'm just gonna <laughs> chill out tonight. The uh, the uh, the the not drinking during the game zapped your energy, didn't it? I talked to you afterwards, and and you felt you didn't seem like you were. It did. You had to you had to ramp back up to Dave after dark. That's for sure, we waited sure. we waited a little bit because you uh you weren't in rare form quite yet. You had to you had to have no, get a couple back like, in. Yeah, it was a long it's a like a fairly not like I wouldn't say like a long walk from the stadium to where we're staying, but like I'm not in you know peak physical condition. That uh, uh, as they would say, so like it took it took a minute, and uh, it was uh, yeah. Just we're just gonna chill out. We got some you know friends over and stuff, but um, yeah. Can you still see me? Are we still good? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I see a picture of your kid. Yeah, I'm I'm posting the uh, the 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 information to the board for people to join because it's I, I get the feeling you're ready to. You're ready to go kick it with your crew and yeah i'm i mean i i, I can't be a, a poor host and sitting here and when well, we got a bunch of people outside and everything so but no i mean it, like they did what they needed to do took care of business now you're watching teams fall by the wayside oregon loses to stanford Oklahoma, another close win against Kansas State, who didn't have their starting quarterback. You know, you're just, you're just, you know, it doesn't matter right now, but we still want to see these teams that we know will get the benefit of the doubt and two lost this and two lost that. Like, just get them all, give them all losses. Just like start stacking losses. Make this yeah, but shit, make this shit as annoying and as hard as possible. I, I now with this man, I I don't think you can deny Cincinnati. Oh no, I'm still fully prepared for some bullshit to happen. But that's why I'm just saying, like, just let's total chaos, man. Just everybody get two losses. Like, just let's just turn this thing on its head. Yeah, that way they don't have a choice. Like, right. Just leave, leave no doubt. Like, we went 13-0. and 0. 
we won at Indiana. We won at Notre Dame. Like these, these other teams, you know, have two losses or whatever. Like you're really going to, that's what you're going to do. You're going to, that's, that's the plan. Yeah. Like they're not going to be able to hide at this point. That's what I'm saying. Like, just like, let's just have chaos. Like get, get these, get everybody losing. And then, then you, you know, you just hope that the fix isn't in and, and all that crap. But no, I mean, they're, with with the Oregon losing, I would think they would move into the top five. Like I would think they would jump Oklahoma, and then Oregon would bounce out. So you're looking at Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, Iowa, UC. Because Arkansas lost, Notre Dame lost, Florida's losing 20 to 13 to Kentucky. That would be their second loss. So, I mean, I think five, four or five, maybe. Maybe you jump Iowa too. Although Iowa dick stomped Maryland Friday last night. But, um, oh, but yeah. let's, let's, let's make it happen. If you're coming in, make sure you're. Unused. Uh, where we go? Where we go here? You just muted me, man. <laughs> yeah, I had to mute everybody because <laughs> people don't mute. Shane, mute yourself, please. Thank you. Do uh, um, you think the Temple game will be fun Friday night? Yeah, Temple. Hey, Temple doesn't suck. They they don't. Are they beat sure? Memphis. Wait, what? Temple beat Memphis today. Oh my God, this conference, man. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe beat UCF and Temple beat Memphis. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that happened today. Had no so idea. Temple, Temple's got three wins. I think their Vegas over under was 1.5. Oh. Yeah, either way, so, they're going to get rolled. So, yeah. Luckily, I, we didn't really see too much. I didn't think on the injury front. Like, I didn't, I didn't really notice. You know, anybody down, uh, it, it felt like they came out pretty clean. Yeah. Um, hopefully. But, uh, all right, well, I guess I'll, I'll let you. This thing's filling up pretty quick, so. Yeah, this will give me something to listen to on my drive home tomorrow. I'll, I'll listen to the, to the second half of this. Fake John Goebbels here. That's nice. Fake John Goebbels? Good to see fake John Goble. Wait, yeah, there, didn't you know? There's a guy on the Cincy fan seventy eight. We can't his get his name the real is John, John Goble. I thought for the longest time. Look, I thought for the longest time he was John Goble. It just turns out there's somebody else who's named John Goble on our message board. When we, when we were doing the the tip off, he's the he's the one that was like, um, we were at a basketball game. And it was like, if you, whatever you raise during the first half of this basketball game, will match oh. for the tip-off. And it said John Goble. I was like, fucking hey, John Goble. Let's go, John Goble. But there's a different John Goble. It wasn't the same John Goble. What a world. <laughs> I'm John Goble. Well, you uh, you go do your thing. I know you got a house full of people. And are, are you still? Are you? Is there more fireball to be drank, or are you? You're done. No, with that, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. That wasn't ours. That was just at the tailgate. So uh, I'll be uh, just just drinking beers from here on out. Nobody stopped by with Jello shots. Oh, actually, I'm good, glad you brought that up. 
My mom ended up making some that I did not know about. Oh, so, your mom knows how to mix vodka and jello. Apparently she does. So I had some jello shots. I had some fireball. I had some beers. It was. Uh, Although, uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on jello shots because Stu Gilchrist chimed in about the art of making jello shots. And he's an aerospace engineer. So maybe it's harder than I thought. I don't but know. I've, I, I've never done it. I don't truly I believe. A, I have a personal jello shot maker, so I don't have to make them. So I don't, <laughs> so I don't need to know how to make them. All right. Well, Dave, thank you. It's, thank uh, you, it's an abbreviated Dave After Dark because Dave's got a house full of people. And... Have fun, Bearcat fans. We're awesome. You guys deserve this one. So, uh, Soak it all in, and I will. Uh, we'll talk next week. All right. Uh, are we going to do Wednesday or Thursday? Friday uh, game. We probably should do Wednesday, right? Probably should. Yeah. I've got another podcast to do Wednesday. We've got a big announcement coming Wednesday. Okay. So, is it, I think that one starts at like nine thirty. Involve me getting a raise. Uh, you're going to do another this, podcast. This big announcement. No, it's we're 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 adding to the network. We're right. we're adding to the entertainment of the people. All right. Are you going to be involved in that podcast? Or? I don't know. Am I going to be invited on? I don't know. Maybe. Well, <laughs> then we'll see. My wife All right. wouldn't like that if I started doing another. <laughs> another <podcast>. <laughs> <laughs> and that one starts. I don't think they record until like nine thirty at oh. night. Zero percent chance I'm getting involved in that. Like I'm in bed by like ten o'clock. Yeah, no. Dave on a podcast at nine thirty is just not going to work. No chance. You wake up at like five in the morning. You're an idiot. I do get up very early, but it's not because I want to. That's right. <laughs> I, just, I don't sleep much anymore. All right, go Bearcats! And, All right, uh, have fun, fellas. Good to see you. See ya. All right, that's Dave. That's Dave after dark. Dave is uh, checking out now to go uh, continue drinking beers with the house full of uh, friends that he's got. I see a few people in here that uh, Carrie, if you want to unmute, uh, you're more than welcome to join me. I'd love to get your perspective on this thing. Uh, Paul, I see is in here. Um, I haven't seen Keith. Keith usually joins us. I'd, I'd feel bad if Keith couldn't make it, but I haven't seen Keith in here. Big room though. Incredible day. Awesome game. Carrie, chime in. Let us know uh, what, what it was like from your perspective. Carrie? Carrie, are you there? Carrie, if you don't talk, Paul's ready to talk. I'm always ready to talk, Chad. Yeah, well, Carrie's not talking, so Paul's talking. What? Uh, tell me what you think, Paul. Exciting, exciting football game. Uh, I think we we discovered just how good this team can be when it plays for 60 minutes. Uh, you know, we went into somebody else's house, a, a top 10 team and stole their lunch money. Uh, I thought, I thought we owned the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball all day. And I think in the second quarter and most of the third, and then when we really needed it in the fourth, we owned the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. Great job by by the big uglies today, owning the uh, you know 
taking control of the line, and ultimately that meant taking control of the game. Yeah, I thought Notre Dame, it, it felt like there wasn't a lot of pressure, like in that third quarter into the start of the fourth quarter uh, when Pine came in. But I, they were only sending three and four at that point because I think they were worried that Pine was a little bit more mobile. Um, they yeah, were, I they was were, frustrated by that, really. I mean, I, I wanted to see him try to light that kid up and make him make instant decisions. I, I mean, I understand that to an extent. Um, but I think, you know, I think some of that is just uh, feeding off of how aggressive they were going after Pine. Right. Or uh, Cone. Because, you know, they were at a point where for the first two quarters, they said this kid cannot handle what we're going to throw at him. And they threw everything in, in the in the in the lunchbox at Jack Cone. And he had what, maybe two throws in that first half where he really got to get set in the pocket and, and deliver the football and everything else there was traffic everything else there was traffic yeah i would be interested in hearing what the statistic uh, how we played out today on in terms of of uh percentage of dropbacks with pressures because that whole first half i i, I didn't think cone got a chance to set his feet i'm with you did desritter in your mind do enough to really catch the attention of the national media 297 yards, two touchdowns on the ground or in the air, one touchdown on the ground. Um, remember, a lot of these national folks aren't going to actually watch the game, right? They're going to look at the stats. They're going to watch the highlights and they're going to judge him on that against Notre Dame in Notre Dame Stadium. Just a tick, you know, one play under 300 yards, two touchdowns and one rushing. I, he started six of 15 for 40 yards. I was worried about him. Um, but then right at the end of the game, Tarico said that he was nine of 11 for 174 in the second half. Yeah. He was With great the, in the second half. Yeah. Dave and, and, I, I didn't even, it. and it was quiet. It was quiet. It didn't, I didn't think he had, he was that accurate. I mean, I knew he completed a lot of balls and he, you know, he hit some, some really good passes when we needed him to. But I had no, it, it really didn't seem that way. It's sort of like in basketball, you, you know, a guy comes out and he's a quiet scorer, but you look up and suddenly he's got 20 points. In the uh, ESPN summary, they said he had a pick, but I, I don't remember a pick. No, he had the sack fumble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they were saying a pick on the on the ESPN summary, so they need to fix that. Yeah, that one, that one was not – I mean, I don't even – he wasn't really even close to a pick, was he? Was there ever really any anything that felt like he really threw a ball? The, Lenny, the Lenny pass. The Lenny pass in the end zone. He threw one uh, towards the right-hand side of the field that almost was a pick six in the second. Oh, yeah. Right, oh, yeah. right. He right. wasn't yeah. – that's where he wasn't good today was throwing to the opposite – like the throwing field. to the sideline yeah. from the opposite yep. hash. Yeah. He struggled yeah. with that. That was – and that one could have changed the game. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm not sure whether he was struggling as much as Notre Dame was, was jumping those routes. Well, I, you know, Marcus, what they did against Marcus, Wisconsin. Yeah, and that's Marcus Freeman knowing what Des is good at and what he's not. Mm -hmm. The guy that almost had that pick six was the guy with the two touchdowns the week before, right? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, that's, he, I think that's what Paul's talking about. So They're close. aggressive and having 
having, you know, and that's Marcus Freeman. How many, how many, you know, picks like that did we see with Freeman here? He wants his corners to be aggressive. That's the one change that so far I have hated is they are not playing Kobe in man press. They're playing playing a lot of zone. Well, they're, they're playing sauce in man press and they're playing for the most part, they're playing Arquan in man press. And then they're playing Kobe eight yards off the ball. Yeah. And I don't think that's conducive to, to how Kobe Bryant plays. I think he needs to get up on guys and be physical with them and, and help reroute them as opposed to sitting back and letting the play come at him. Although, you know, Kobe's in a tough spot right this year because nobody's throwing at sauce. What they threw right. twice today, they threw at sauce. Yep. He, was, he was right there. Kobe was right there on the end zone play. It was just a great play by the wide. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Literally right there, just man coverage, just right there. It was, just it was slightly underthrown. If that ball's thrown where it's supposed to be, Kobe breaks that pass up. Mm-hmm. Much like we saw with, with Trey Tucker, kudos to the Notre Dame kid for, for coming back and, and making an adjustment, realizing what he needed to do. But, you know, Kobe had three pass breakups today. I thought he played a fine game. I just don't think he's at his best when he's asked to play uh, play off. I, I think he's he's where he should be when he's playing press man coverage. Uh, but, you know, Marcus Freeman is a rare guy because he has stones like a lot of people don't. Most coaches just won't play straight across the board man press coverage because they're afraid of of getting beat over the top. Um, so it's a, it's effective. I just think, you know, it's, it's probably not what Kobe's best at, uh, from, you know, watching Kobe over the past five years, uh, the throw to Lenny top three throw does has ever made top three throw does has ever made. I mean, they had, uh, they had Wiley marked on two there. They had Wiley marked by two people, which just, yeah, they bracketed Josh. They let Lenny get behind the linebacker and I mean Des had about six inches where he could have delivered that ball yeah and and it was I mean he let the ball go and it was in Lenny's arms like right right now it was fantastic Carrie are you there do we have I am Chad do you do you hear me I got you now we got you ah Carrie Hoffman you will hear from him Monday in his uh, Upon Further Review article, but I, I want to hear it now, Kerry. S- historical significance. As the uh, BCJ historian, what does this mean? What did it mean to you today watching this happen? I don't want to say anything because I don't want to undercut my column and not have anything to write about <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, he's gonna listen. Don't worry, we'll enjoy it. Le- reading about it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know how anybody could argue that it's it's not the biggest victory in, that the program's ever had. Um, the, the games you would compare it to the, the, the Wisconsin upset or the Penn State upset, um, it's still Pitt or this, yeah, it's always Pitt. Well, the Pitt game, yes, of course, but um. In terms of of ranking and that sort of thing, this was a top ten team. It was yeah. in the most fabled stadium in in college football. There was more on the line than ever before. I, I just don't don't 
the pit game w- was so significant. It was so dramatic, right? The way we came from 21 points down and won it in the snow, and we'd never experienced anything like that. To me, today was historic, not just for the game wasn't as dramatic, but winning the game and then the turnout by our fans. I think this is this is a moment we're always going to remember about UC football because I think it's uh, – I think a good part of the town became ours that might have been on the fence today. This is, this is big. When they ran out of the tunnel, Carrie, you could see a lot of the like you could see the wall of red that was like <laughs> kind of breathtaking. And then somebody sent me the blimp shot. Yeah, I, I want, I'm looking for that because I want to post it, uh, you know, on my Facebook. I, I've got some video that I have posted on my Facebook. It's in my it's in my Twitter feed somewhere. I, I'll have to go look for it. I I saw somebody post on, on our board about, my God, there's a lot of red in the stadium before the game. And I was like, well, that, that's impressive. But then when the game came on the air and they showed uh, Tariko and Drew Brees and they had a chroma key or whatever they call it anymore, the stadium behind them, and you saw the amount of red, I was like, holy crap. I mean, Notre Dame tickets are not easy to get. And we had... We had to have 20,000 people there. That, that was my rough estimate, just looking at it. And, and like I said in talking to Dave at the beginning of this, kudos to John Cunningham and, and his staff for, you know, I, I suggested after the Indiana game to some people I know in the athletic department that I, people hit me up the entire week leading up to the Indiana game. What color, what color, what color, what color? Uh-huh. And I said, this is something that, that people are looking for. So pick a color and blast it out there because everybody wants to know what color they want to wear. And, and UC took the ball and ran with it and they nailed it, man, because that red just popped Absolutely. in contrast with the green and the blue you know, black wouldn't have worked because it would have blended in. Yeah. Uh, but that red man, it like it looked like a checker pattern almost like it was designed to look yeah. like, like Christmas plaid. It did. It, it did look like that. And, the, the one funny, funny thing uh, they kept coming back to when they would show the UC fans, it, it was like just one little uh, 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 camera uh, shot. Yeah. But one little nip of your nose was they, they had a section of red and there was one guy standing in the middle and he kind of stood out who had an Ohio State red. <laughs> yes. Notice that. I was Terrible. Like, and I saw him at least twice and I'm like, what the hell is that fool doing? Yes. It's horrible. <laughs> a buddy of mine that was at the game was told that they had sold over 17,000 tickets, not including secondary markets. Oh, my gosh. 17,000? Easily. Yeah, easily. So the, that, and that was before the secondary market. So easily over, I would say, 20,000. So so was that negotiated in our contract with them then that we got 17,000 tickets for the game? There's no if way. So go and whoever, whoever negotiated that deal really did us good. That's a I, lot. I mean, for an, oppo- for that's an opposing a lot of fan base, that's a lot. That's 25% of that stadium. Yeah, that yeah. Never, that didn't happen. <laughs> Usually yeah, it's no 5,000. Like, uh, when you play at the bigger stadiums, I think UC does three. Yeah. Usually yeah. it's like five, 7,000 when you go to the bigger stadiums. So that would that would be shocking. But it looked every bit like there was yes. 15,000, 20,000 UC fans there, especially yes. – 
the way it reminded me of Pitt was that upper section. Because remember when they used when they showed the aerial shots of Heinz Field in that game, that whole upper section behind the UC bench, that upper deck was all UC fans. Yep. And it kind of reminded was, me of that. It was it was a, like a big advertisement for UC the whole day. I mean, there before the game was starting, there were like four or five national writers who were posting <laughs> about all the UC people in the stands right from the beginning before the game even started i mean it was amazing and that's that's always been our weak spot right we we, yeah. we don't have the the fan base that some of the other schools they might have been looking at for the big 12 did well that that uh narrative got blown out of the water today but it also but, makes you think what a damn shame it is that we don't play more regional games i oh, mean yeah. it's just pathetic you know I'd well, yeah, to- this one we know has been circled. I wrote this just in, in a little blurb in the uh, staff prediction piece, but this is a game that from the minute the Georgia game was over, imme- attention turned immediately mm-hmm. to the trip to South Bend. Yep. And you could tell today that this was a city that was – I mean, I love Luke's joke about it, that everybody told him he, they were going to the game over the past two weeks around town. He just didn't have the heart to ask him if they were going to be wearing green or, or red. I think he got the answer to that. He but got his answer. Holy crap. And kudos, it, I mean, to, and kudos to Chad for telling him to wear red instead of black. I, did, I didn't tell them what to wear. I just said, you guys need to let the, like, let the fan base pick something and let everybody know so that it's unified because there's going to be a crap ton of people at this game. I, I, I would never imagine in all my years of watching college football that that many Bearcat fans would travel to Notre Dame. It's unreal. Unreal. I'll tell you what it, it sort of compares to is I remember being shocked how many fans traveled to the Sugar Bowl in 2009, yeah. January 2010, but they didn't get a victory out of that. They didn't, you know, we – it was harder to sustain that. These fans that went today now, you know, are, I think they were fully bought in when they when they made the trip, but they got the reward of the victory as well. <clears throat> Kelly came through for us finally, huh? <laughs> yes. It, it, it came full circle, didn't it? <laughs> How savage is UC's social media team? Totally. Oh. Well, spectacular. Mean. They had a lot of bullets ready to go as soon as that oh, game yeah. was over. What they um, do? They, they want all the smoke. Like I, I talked to Shark about the, uh, the, the uniform reveal. I don't know how much people caught that. I'm but, not sure. So in the uniform reveal, the song that played was Billie Eilish. <laughs> the name of the song is "Bury a Friend." <laughs> well, I could tell you that there were quite a few Notre Dame people that, that when they well, that's when I talked to Shark. That's what she said. Well, they they put it out on Wednesday, and the Notre Dame fans didn't really pick up on it until Thursday. Mm-hmm. And she said she was in a meeting, and when she came out of the meeting, her phone blew up uh, with all like the Notre Dame fans had realized the 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 connection. And she's like, oh, they were they were big mad. They were big mad. Like they couldn't have been any more angry than 
after Ritter's uh, smack talking ahead of the game. Well, yeah, that's the beauty of it is they're they're kind of becoming the team that talks a lot but backs it up. I'm okay with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to be the team that chirps and doesn't back it up. But if you can well, chirp and, and back it up, chirp. And, and they were throwing shade after how many players put up thank you for the opportunity. Well, no, UC did that from their own social UC media. Did, I know yeah, they did, but a great. lot of the players yeah. did too from their own yeah. personal feeds. Like it yeah. was it was spread around. So, you know, uh, Luke might have mentioned that a time or two. I would imagine and that Van Van and uh, who else was it? Wadley also well, were talking about home games. Like they were at a well, home game. Everybody. There's <laughs> been a lot of players that have been mentioning the whole they, – they mentioned they thought they were playing at Nipper. Like there were moments <laughs> we're so thankful for the crowd for traveling. So. They, they, called it, they called it North Clifton. Yeah, so shout out to everybody that went there. I was not there, but thank you to everybody that did go there. I'm in Denver, but I love how we travel. Denver, that's just a quick drive to South Bend. You can do that. <laughs> Come on, man. I did look at flights. I'll be back for the Central Florida game, but um, there you go. I couldn't be back for that game. So, Ma- well, Ma- like, remember, uh, Malik, real quick, Malik was was ready to commit to Notre Dame, and they pulled us off. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, wow. so. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and trust me, Malik kept the receipts. Like he was, he, there's a reason Malik played as well as he played today. And uh, he won the game. He basically won the game at the yeah, end. He I mean, won the game with the sack out. at the end. Yeah. yeah. So, and did you see how excited, like how he exploded after he made that sack? I can tell you that that sack meant a lot. Was he the one fan. that pointed at the, uh, the camera above like the, up the, the, uh, the sky I, cam? I don't, I don't remember. It, it was pretty nice. I think that was him. It was pretty sweet. I want to say thank you to him, his class, and Josh Wiley. They both were like the turning points and everything that Luke yeah. did. They literally established and revitalized the entire city of Cincinnati. I can't thank them enough. Like I love both. They were them. they were same class. They were in the same class. Same class, but they they both had options to go everywhere else, but they stayed home. They made a commitment. They made a statement to the city of Cincinnati, and I think we, we owe them a lot. Did you see I love when Ohio and... State fans try to tell me that, that Kerry Combs didn't, uh, didn't try to get Josh Wiley all the way through the signing day when I've, I've seen the receipts on that, where the every, like every week it was like, you sure? You sure, sure. You real sure. Josh is like, I'm going to Cincinnati. Like, leave me alone. Ohio State was going to offer him, and then he committed. But, to- yeah. Later. No. Urban literally called him a week before and was like, hey, yeah. we're offering you next week. He's like, ah, it, don't worry about it. I'm just going to commit to Cincinnati this week, so don't even bother. Like, no, actually, what, what, what really happened there is that he went to Ohio State for an unofficial visit, and he had a meeting with Urban. And he sits down in Urban's office, and Urban basically was like, all right, let's go ahead and get this like over with. And Josh was like, what do you mean let's get this like <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a formality. You better recruit my ass, and that's kind of the arrogance that Urban had. And Josh came back home and said, "I'm I'm gonna be a Bearcat." So, yeah, Josh, Malik, Hicks, like uh, all those local guys have uh, have made a big difference. It's been it's been pretty wild to uh, to be at Ground Zero, kind of watching all of this unfold over the years, and to see it. I mean, here's the thing, Carrie, right? Like, it's all a perfect arc, right? 
Yeah. Because because it's they've taken every step. The only step they really skipped, I guess, would be 2018, right? Because they shouldn't have gone from barely winning a game to winning 11. Yeah. But from there, they had to get over UCF in the East. Right, right. And then they had to get over Memphis in the championship game. And then they, they got to the New Year's Six Bowl and they lost in a heartbreaker. That hump is still there, but they've taken every step along the way and taken every setback and, and fueled them to get over it. Well, I think one of the biases that, that has that was one of the last biases that still existed against UC was we did not have a win over uh, one, one of the, the absolute blue blood top programs in college football in a, in a meaningful situation. Um, and that, that changed today. Um, that, you know, this was, yeah, this, I, I, I think I, I started to post this on the board. I'm not sure if I did. The, the graphic that they used during the game of, of using the bouncer turning away the G5 programs in the, this mm-hmm. the college football. Yeah. I thought that that was really good. And it, it's kind of what our situation has always been. I've, I feel like, uh, you know, with not being able to get in into the, the big 12 uh, back in 2016, we've just always been right on the cusp, but, but never could get through. And I think it's because we lack that credential. And today we didn't just get the credential. We, we grabbed it. We did it on national TV. I thought NBC really did a great job in terms of giving UC a lot of attention and a lot of credit. It wasn't just the Notre Dame show today. They, they, they gave us a, a pretty good ride out of this thing. Tariko well, is a cheerleader, but Breeze did a good job. Yeah, I, I, Mike Tarico is my favorite broadcaster uh, of all the play-by-play guys. So I was thrilled to have him. He, he dropped a Dan Horde mention in there. I mean, it's, it was just, uh, I, I thought they, they did a really great, they had that graphic where they showed Sandy Koufax, Oscar, and Travis Kelsey. I mean, they, they did a lot. And Collins was this kid during the last night show, which pumped him up too. Well, Horde, so the line of succession at Syracuse, I believe, uh, from Dan told this, told this to us on a podcast many years ago, like the top guy in, you know, Syracuse has the most mm-hmm. famous broadcasting school in the country. They, they give you like, a, you know, the juniors and seniors, the upperclassmen, they give them like a young guy to mentor. And I believe Shulman mentored Horde and then Horde mentored Tarico or the other way around. Like, but Horde was right in the middle of like Dan Shulman and Mike Tarico in the line of succession of great broadcasters at Syracuse. And Dan has talked about a couple times where like they knew from day one Tarico was like different. That dude's better than all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you find a guy that's better than everybody else, and everybody has to kind of. And so it's very similar to when I I'll switch to a basketball name real quick. I interviewed Josh Reed that committed on Friday. Yesterday, uh, I interviewed him at the uh, Under Armour finals in Indianapolis in July, and I spent eight minutes talking to him and I got done and I said, well, there's a 17 year old that's smarter than me. Ain't that a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't sometimes sometimes, sometimes you got to know your scouting report. <laughs> I, I don't know that it, if I ever posted this or not, but 
when I talked to Terry Nelson, when the big 12 stuff was coming through and I, I had a chance to just talk to him on the side, and I don't think I'm getting any confidence in saying this. I, I said, Hey, hey, look, Terry, I'm, I'm not sure if we've ever talked before. I wanted to tell you, I think you've gotten better in the last couple of years as, as an analyst. Um, and I think you work at your craft and, and it shows. And he told me a, what was a pretty good story, which was um, a couple of years ago, there was belt tightening going on. Um, this was, so this is probably three or four years ago. And they started making Terry and uh, Dan Horde share a hotel room on the road and Terry's watched what Dan was doing in game prep and realized what he needed to start doing uh, in terms of uh, being ready with, with all the nuggets and things that Dan drops in and, and the things that make Dan so good and make him a journalist and not just a broadcaster. Uh, and Terry realized I, I need to start doing some of the, that kind of homework too. And um, it, my opinion is I, I think Terry has gotten significantly better in the last couple of years of what he does. Look, if you've ever seen Dan Horde sheet, I, I can imagine. imagine how many hours it takes to put Dan's sheet together uh, to broadcast a game. That, that's it's, what, that's it's, what Terry was talking about. He said he sits at it. He sits there at the desk in the hotel room and it, for like three hours and he's he's pulling stuff together. And, and Terry was like. Maybe I should be doing this. So. Yeah. Um, let's see. How about how about the bullshit uh, picking up targeting. the flag on roughing the targeting. passer? Yeah. Oh, yep. I don't know that it was targeting, but it was definitely roughing the pass. I mean, it was, they threw the flag. They saw that it was roughing the passer. Mm -hmm. How do you pick that up? On what planet does that get picked up? I I, I don't understand it. In South Bend at a Notre Dame home game. That's what plan. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but come on. Like, that yeah, was, that it was, was, it was two steps after Daz had released the ball. It was yeah. a forcible hit. It was everything that protecting the quarterback is supposed to be. And they it was third and long, flag. too, right? Yeah. They threw the yeah. flag and then picked it up. Like, what do I, I don't understand it. And then the, the Tunstall illegal man downfield yeah. i was unaware that it is illegal to kick your opponent's ass <laughs> <laughs> nah, that was a legit call he was literally two to three yards downfield but was it because what? he destroyed the guy in front of him it was yeah. because he, <laughs> he destroyed the guy in front of him you're allowed to be three yards you're allowed to be three yards down the he, he was, was four yards down yeah the he field. was four or five yards downfield he, yeah, it was, was a legit penalty. Call. still engaged driving his man down the field you're just yeah. supposed you're supposed to stop and play patty cake at three yards right evidently so i get I, i'm not arguing that it was the wrong call by rule it was the right call but that's bullshit well it'll like, be an, it, it'll be an interesting analysis in the in the o-line room in film tomorrow when when crook says well you know you can't run downfield but good job kicking the guy's ass all over I mean, he drove him five yards down the field. He just he yeah. they locked up. He engaged, and Tunstall dominated him. I I don't know at what point you're supposed to ask a left tackle stop blocking because that was a brilliant play call to Jerome Ford. Oh, brilliant! Call. They've never that, showed that. They've never showed that look before. I don't think. No, they haven't. And and to go with the other 
because we know Cincinnati is great at red zone defense because of the design of their defense. The, the guy that has a great hand in that is Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame is great in the red zone or has been up leading up to this game because they're so sound fundamentally. The play, the play action, two steps to get Lenny for the first touchdown, and then what should have been that touchdown to Ford was brilliant play call design by Mike Denbrock. And I, I just don't see a way that that Tunstall should have been called. But I, I just don't I don't like it. I, I don't like that he did nothing more than engage the man across from him and dominate him. And somehow technically that's a flag. I didn't I didn't like those two. Those were yeah. the only two that those like feelings that I really got that, you know, it at was what, uh, unfair. At what, at what point do you think they're going to have an open competition for uh, field goal? Picker. Hmm. That <sighs> is not the answer. They need to have like every soccer player come on board and say, "Hey, can you kick a?" They have two guys. They have two guys. But Cole Smith is not the answer. He's going to cost them a game. Alex Bales, and then if you remember, they brought in a kid from Georgia that was one of the top-rated kickers in the country uh, in high school, Christian Lowry. Um, Lowry didn't get as much of a a shot at the number one job at higher ground. Bales did. I think the ball comes better off Bale's foot. Honestly, I, I, he gets it up higher. He gets it out quicker. Um, and, and I love Cole, but I, I just don't think that. Yips. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think his it confidence started is shot. His confidence is shot. And, and in a season with this much on the line, I think you have to see if you've got another option there and you've got to start letting guys get some game reps. And, and that I, I would guess includes Alec Bales, Alex Bales getting reps soon. There, there was a post in the game thread, I guess one of, uh, one of UC's former kickers uh, is, was posted on the thread. His uh, screen name is Bearcat man and was talking exactly he, about this. He coaches kickers. He's a, he he's a kicking kickers? coach. Okay. Yeah, he's a kicking coach. Okay. He said that, Smith is just—he's—he's he's in his head. As a kicker. He's in his head. Yeah, is that the, he said the the holder was was consoling Smith after both those misses today, and that it's just there's nothing you could do. He's he's just it like you said he's in his head. Yeah, but I I'm the guy that thought after the I think it was the Miami game. Um, was that the the game that um, uh, or, or Ryan Montgomery was muffed one punt and almost muffed another? And I thought, well, I'm, they got to start looking at another punt returner. Is either that one or the Murray State game? And um, ever since then, he's been brilliant. So I I don't I think this staff is is very slow to change with with guys that they feel are veterans. I'm, there's going to be a lot of pressure and, and maybe, but, but Luke said in the post game, like we got to, we got to fix the kicking game. Did he? Well, we'll see. We'll see what that means in terms of actual action. And um, Luke, Luke, Luke and those guys play, play players, right? Like they, they have no qualms of playing freshmen or, I mean, 
There's yeah, got to I mean, be somebody Bales who is, can make a field goal. Bales has been here for a little while. Um, I mean, they already, if you remember, they, they've replaced Cole Smith on kickoffs with Bales. Right. And so, a couple of years I mean, ago, they brought in that kicker from Eastern Illinois or what I can't yeah. remember his name. Uh, and he Sam took Croce. the job. Yeah. And he did a really nice job that year. Um, I, I'd feel bad for, for Smith if that happens, but he's also, you know, got a confidence problem right now because those were short kicks. Yeah. I'd say uh, he's eventually it's going to cost us a game. And in this season, you, we can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. But he also won the AAC title game with a big kick That's last true. year. So he's got it in him. He knows he's not a total basket case uh, that no, you know, I don't know. It, it, that, how much that's been experimenting the, you want to do this season? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's been the thing that I talked about this on the, on the BCJ pod uh, Wednesday night was the thing with, with Cole is he's been inconsistent. I mean, he's what, 16 of 30. One sixteen of thirty. He's yeah. right at right at fifty percent. But the ones he hits have generally, like when they've called on him for a critical kick, he's been able to make it. But I mean, you missed two today. You missed one last week. You missed, you know, an extra, extra point. points. Yeah. So he's at the point right now where there's got to be some action. There's got to be some urgency in like. This is, you know, who knows when an ECU game is going to pop up where, where you have to have a guy at the end of the game to make the kick to win, not to, you know, not the AAC championship game where it was a tie game. And even if he missed it, you're still, you still keep playing. But the ECU game, if I remember correctly, Carrie can correct me. You're much better at the memory stuff than I am. And my brain doesn't work right now anyway, but (laughs) That ECU kick was for the win. A couple uh, years yeah. ago, yeah, uh, they were well, down. Sauce had the interception late, and I think that yeah. tied it up. And then, then he won it. Okay, so it was tied. I think I think the okay. Sauce uh, pick six tied it, and then I think we got the ball back and drove it okay. Like I said, that's why your brain is better than mine. Uh, I'm got to know your scouting report. It's a rough estimate. <laughs> SMU and Houston aren't playing this year, though. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Boy. but uh, I, I bet you um, UCF and Memphis didn't think they were going to have any games today either. It, wow. it seems like uh, some of these uh, wow. teams are, you know. Temple's is kind of scary to me because of just we're coming off this emotional high on the road. Right. Right. I don't want – and that's why I brought up Cole Smith. I, I, I think this could be a letdown game, and I'm very concerned about it. Well, at least they won today, so maybe they'll pay attention to right. them for right. Friday. Yeah, I, At home, I'm not terribly <laughs> concerned. I think it's going to be a madhouse there on Friday. They're going mm-hmm. to be welcoming that team home. And I, I agree with you. The short turnaround and, and having Temple be a, a lesser opponent could be scary, but I just think the emotional carry we, today. Oh, man. Let, we, we don't play well. Yeah, Temple has always had our number, whether well, it's football at, or basketball. At Temple. At, yeah. Here, uh, it's been a different story. At, at Temple. Uh, most of those games at Nippert have been pretty comfortable, at least uh, recently. Well, no, there was the one that Kobe returned the two-point yeah. conversion on 
They gave us a, a really tough game that year. That was in that was in nineteen. Yeah. Under, and but they under, didn't we lose to them under Tupperville at home? I'm sure. Uh, they, well, I mean, everybody kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, they're they're, well, they're sneaky good this year. I think we lost to them on the road. I know that. I don't know that they're that they're sneaky, not terrible. How's that? <laughs> they don't have yeah, well last year they had all those people on you know they were the covid and they had a bunch of injuries stuff, yeah. so yeah they're that's the expectation was that they were going to be terrible again they're definitely better than terrible uh, they've won what the, the vegas i said this to dave the vegas over under for temple was 1.5 <laughs> yeah and they've won three so yeah you got to take them serious and you're gonna have to to come back down to earth pretty quick because, you know, those guys are riding a big high because everybody said they're not going to be able to go to go through this two-game road trip undefeated. And here they are, undefeated. Yeah, and what, one thing I, I would say about uh, teams like Temple and uh, that are further back in the AAC, our recruiting is starting to kick into such a point we are physically better than those teams by yeah. a, a decent margin now. So you you don't have to play your absolute best. You can physically just win that game. Um, and that that wasn't that wasn't the case the, the first couple of years that Luke was here. We kind of had a style and it worked. We were fairly even with those teams. I th- I think we have a margin now. Yeah. Speaking of recruiting, how many of the four stars now are signing up after this game? <laughs> oh man. What a what a national display they put on, especially defense. If you're a defensive recruit, why wouldn't you want to play for this team? Seriously. And the, I mean, the the question to me is uh how many Notre Dame had like maybe one of the best visitor lists in program history for this game? <laughs> <laughs> How many of those kids are you calling on Monday? All of hey, them. Hey, I, 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 I don't. <laughs> We'd like the opportunity to offer you. <laughs> we, we, would you? Uh, it's it's strange. We tried to call you a couple months ago, and you didn't take our call. But uh, <laughs> I was wondering if you wanted to talk now. <laughs> Did you enjoy meeting Coach Freeman? Because we'd like to introduce you to some of his best friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we made him. He, he didn't make us. We made him. You're 100% right on that. Some, something is trying to notice. When's the last time we only had one running back carry the ball in a game? It was, he had 17 carries. Ritter had, what, I think 10 rushes they counted for him. And Tucker had the one sweep. But but was there another running back in the game at all? Yeah. yeah McC- McClellan, like, had – McClellan was in, what, four snaps, maybe five yeah. snaps? Yeah. yeah. I kept but don't, screaming don't for get, him if Todd start If Todd started in, in here still, Todd was screaming – uh, yep. throughout the entire game at the Holy Grail to get McClelland in there to see if he could find some space. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about passing the ball to him. Like, yeah, that's what I said. Find field. some space. Yeah. That's what that's yeah. what they do with them. They find some space. When uh, when Ritter fumbled and we needed to make that tackle of that linebacker, Ritter got out there and made the tackle. McClelland was behind him though, and would yeah. have yeah. also had a chance to make the tackle. So that was the only time I noticed he was on the field. Jerome Ford's become kind of the the workhorse that we didn't really expect, right? We expected, I don't know, running back by committee, but we expected to see a lot of different guys yeah. 
uh, involved. And it is, it has pretty much been the Jerome Ford show. And I mean, I'm he didn't have a great day, but boy, he turned it up on that last drive. He, mm-hmm. he, he had some good ball security today too. They were going yeah. after him. And uh, I always hold my breath when they get on him like that. Cause he was fumbling a little bit last year, but uh, he did a great job with that today. How much of that is they just trust him to like, you know, to chip the linebacker on the way out? A lot. Yeah. And I think Montgomery was a little banged up from two weeks ago in Indiana, at Indiana. Uh, So maybe you didn't feel like you felt comfortable still having him out there on punt return. But how much do you want him out there and blitz pickup and, and really like putting his body on the line? Um, as Notre Dame was trying to to do everything they could to get after Ritter. I said this to Dave. I'm interested in your guys' thoughts. Uh, We know how good the defensive line is. We know how good the secondary is. But these linebackers are having a hell of a year. Pace is amazing. Van Fossen had seven tackles today. Pace had seven tackles today. DeBlanco was six. Beavers was six. Beavers uh, is amazing. Beavers had a Beavers had an amazing game. Like yes, he was he like everywhere. I saw he at least he made, made some money writers. this. He did. Yes, for three sure. national writers talked about you know that and and the senior bowl guy kept on every time someone would post about Beavers, the senior bowl guy would talk about Beavers, like yeah. how highly rated he thought of. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, not to shift too far from the linebacker. I'll tell you who made money today was uh, Ch- Chad, Chad Brendel's camp MVP, Pierce? Leonard Taylor. Oh, tell uh, Lenny. Yeah, Len- yeah. Lenny made some money today. Lenny looked like wow. an NFL tight end today. What about Pierce? Pierce Pierce also had you know a, a great day to raise his profile. But Did you guys see Maje get triple teamed a bunch of times today? Yeah, <laughs> they could not. They could not block him one on one. Like they, I think he. I think he made a lot of money today too. Yeah. They that's- also couldn't block him three on one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were having trouble and they were covering him three on one. And that meant single cover, single guys on everybody else. And that was one yeah, of the like reasons man. why we yeah. were in Cone's face in the first half. Yeah. Opened up the, uh, for the linebackers to, you know, come and get their, get what they need. Yeah. I, going back to Lenny, I think that, uh, I, I think that teams, they saw, er- all of what Josh did last year. And so now they've decided we're not going to let Josh Wiley beat us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. as, as a result, you know, Lenny kind of gets, I don't want to say ignored, but I don't think that anybody's, I don't think they're game planning for him. Like they're game planning for Wiley. And yeah. as you could, as we saw today, you know, if, if you do that, you're in big trouble because he's got great hands and, and, he runs good routes. Uh, that was today was a great advertisement for some of those recruits too on the uh, at tight end uh, for the future. I mean, you look at what Lenny did today, mm-hmm. and he was all over the place. I mean, it was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Four for seventy, got a touchdown. I mean, it, it just a, a a standout day for a guy that you pull for because you know. We've talked a lot about like Lenny. Lenny's childhood situation was bad. You know, mom was was addicted to drugs, had a you know a rough upbringing, and uh, as hard as this is to believe, 
uh, and Justin wrote about it in one of his uh, his feature on Lenny. Mike Denbrock was the first white coach Lenny ever had. Wow. And like Lenny talks about, like there was an adjustment to that. Like that wasn't something I was used to was having a white guy yell at me. And, uh, <laughs> and is Lenny is Lenny the one that can't uh, be interviewed on like regular television? Uh, yes, he he has he talks like me. He can he can be interviewed. It just can't be like video that's not edited. Because he's going to let it fly. Like, it, he, he takes Luke Fickle's mantra to heart. Lenny lets it fly. There's going to be five <laughs> F-bombs. He's going to say shit like three or four times. Uh, so, yeah, they, unfortunately, because of that, I can't do my normal thing with Lenny where I get video interviews. Because his personality is amazing. So, so it's, in other words, you're telling me, it's telling us it's, it's like a, a normal BCJ podcast. Then. <laughs> Yeah, Dave and I talked about that, like the Dave After Dark thing. Uh, back when that started, we didn't cuss on the podcast ever. And then Dave dropped a couple bad words and nobody really objected. And I was like, well, then we're going to start talking like we talk and not talking like broadcasters on this podcast. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what else? You guys got anything else you want to hit on? What's the ranking going to be tomorrow? Five. Six. I think there'll be six. Six. Yeah, I think there'll be six. You don't think they're going to jump They'll move up from Oregon, but I don't think anybody else will. I think they jump Oklahoma. They jump Oklahoma, I think. I think they'll be five. They won't jump Oklahoma because Oklahoma won. They're going to keep a P5 P5 team. Yeah, they're not going to jump them. I just don't don't see it. I, I, I just Iowa next week, so you know, just wait. Yeah, yeah one of them is done. One of them is done. Well, one of them will move one spot behind Cincinnati, so if they don't <laughs> yeah, lose again, exactly. they can they can right. they can jump down the road. But uh, I think five, but I wouldn't be surprised with six. Well, uh, the, the the other Indiana's thing is not helping us. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Penix. I think I, I saw on Twitter Penix went out, which yeah, might be a. A good thing for them if they have a capable backup because uh, he's like Tony Pike in the in the <laughs> Orange Bowl. thinks thinks the other guys are on his team. Actually, <laughs> I was thinking about about Gunner Keel in seventy six in, in two thousand sixteen after he got got clobbered. He has happy yeah. feet. Yeah, Chad, is it possible you can maybe get a post mortem with one of the? Uh, the uh, Notre Dame writers about their thoughts on UC now? I can try. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty good with, with Tom Loy uh, over there. I, I said to Dave, the thing that blew me away, almost all of their, the people that work at Irish Illustrated and most of the other Notre Dame sites predicted this Notre Dame team to score 30-plus points today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no shit, then. Sorry, Dan, but what the fuck were you watching? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. If you watch this UC defense and that Notre Dame offense, to think that there was going to be 30 points scored by Notre Dame? Were no they way. banking gonna, on? Is that like is another three pick sixes? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that too many of them really relied on that, that final spread against Wisconsin and their good defense when 
they weren't taking into account that three of their final touchdowns came on special teams and two interceptions. In Wisconsin, in Wisconsin is I mean, trash. they're not know. good. <laughs> no, right, and they're not. And they, go, and they were go, going into them. this game, I had the same question that Dave asks every week. How is the Notre Dame offense going to score more than 20 points against our defense? Right. And, you know, because I knew there was no way, you know, Des Ritter was going to throw three picks and two pick sixes. Oh, and they and almost had really, one, but yeah, yeah, outside of that. And, and that's really <laughs> yeah. the only way when you go back and look at some of the, the <laughs> higher point, to, point totals that UC's given up over the last couple of years, they've all become, come from um, turnovers where Ted put the defense in a short field situation. And, you know, again, with Notre Dame coming into this week, I really think they just banked too much on two interception return for touchdowns and the kickoff or a punt that was returned for a touchdown thinking they were going to hang 30 plus points was unrealistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I went back to 2018 and it ha it's happened five times since 2018. UCF twice. Uh, the Ohio U game, the crazy ECU game where they won. And there was one more. But it it only happened five times. Memphis, the the Memphis Ohio State. Game. What about Ohio State? Uh, I think I started the year after that. Nineteen eighteen was no, that was eighteen. So Ohio State, and then so it happened six times. And then Memphis, the regular season finale, they got over thirty. The conference championship game, they scored twenty nine. Yeah. Um. Um. But what what in, on what world, what planet did you think this Notre Dame offense <laughs> was going to get in position to score 31 points against this defense? They barely this, scored 13. This defense. They, they got yeah. what happened. They, they got what every team gets. They got the first drive. Yeah, and then they uh, and then and they then after an that they were done. Chad, you got you alluded to it with Dave the other night. Um, our our defense is just getting going. I think uh, with the transition to Trestle, I, I I thought the first month um, people would have to figure out some roles and some things, and I think they really have started to figure it out. And I I, I think in the last uh, couple of games there's been a lot of progress, but I think they can get even better. Um, I think they figured out. I think they've figured out exactly how, how they want to use both Pace and uh, Van Fossen, um, and they're using them effectively. It looked like Van Fossen is, is down the field a little bit sometimes. I don't know if they're playing them simultaneously, but they're both having such a big presence. And um, you know, no, they're they're basically fifty fifty splitting them. Okay, and both of them are amazing in their fifty percent. Yeah, like amazing. that's that's a hell of a luxury. To have they had 14 tackles out of one position essentially because they each had seven. Yeah. I keep wondering if they're gonna maybe get to the point where you have Van Fossen and Pace on the field with Beavers and maybe Joel DeBlanco gets a few less reps. I mean, they've been really happy with Joel. Joel's a guy that gives them a very steady presence in the middle. They like mm -hmm. to use him um, as kind of that fourth down lineman a lot of times yeah he, uh, where he's, he's plugging gaps he's well, a run and, blitzer yeah. and will huber's coming in for him and it's essentially the same player yeah well huber's a bit more of a we haven't seen 
because they haven't gotten home a ton because everybody knows coming in, they got to get the ball out as fast as possible. Uh, Huber's more of a pass blitzer mm-hmm. where DeBlanco is more of the run, like run stuffing middle, you know, at, you know, physical linebacker. PFF hasn't liked him very much this year, but uh, I agree. He's, he's very steady. And, and when he hits people, they stay hit. The problem um, I think you run into with if you put Pace and, and Van Fossen out there at the same time right now is they're both a little light in the bridges. Yeah. yeah. So you can't use one of them as like that extra go hit a guard. Like if, if Van Fossen against a guard is probably not a great battle for Van Fossen right now. Wasn't it? Was it Pace or was it Cook? I couldn't tell it. Holy grail. That on that blitz got upended. And flipped upside down. Uh, that was Van Fossen. That got flipped. Really? Yeah. Huh. I thought I saw dreadlocks. It, it, Ty doesn't have dreadlocks, so <laughs> maybe my eyes were bad at the at the Grail. I don't. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I thought didn't, it was Van Fossen. Dr- I didn't even drink when I was there today. Shit. I need. I got to go to the the eye doctor. The, the good news is, is is that it's on Peacock. Though. We can look at the replay tomorrow and see. Yeah, but but either way, like those guys, <clears throat> it might have been Bush. That would make sense. I think we might be talking about a different play, Paul. Maybe so. There was one where somebody blitzed off the left side mm-hmm. from like an outside position that – was definitely somebody with dreads. I remember that, the play you're talking about. It was Cook. There was was okay. it Cook? Okay. It was Cook. They, they, and yeah. Some, Notre Dame got something out of the play. I can't remember what it was. But. They did because uh, Pine rolled out outside of uh, the block that flipped him upside down and then made a made a little bit of a play. It wasn't a big play though because they didn't have many of those. Nope. Nope. That's everybody wants to go away from the three three five. I love it. In today's More, game, yeah, the way that today's game is designed, it, it's designed for splash. It's designed for 25, 30, 40-yard chunk plays, and Cincinnati just doesn't give them up. Yep. I think the 3-3-5 is going to become mainstream because of everything. Just I, how I was, the RPOs. I was, I was blown away by something on, on game day this morning. Yep, I saw Arkansas's running a 3-2-6. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, didn't work very well for him today. No, you need a little bit more beef well, out there running four two six. Nothing much works against those guys. Well, can you imagine Nick Saban finding out that a team had only three defensive linemen and two linebackers on the field? <laughs> he had to go to the bathroom immediately. <laughs> like you're only putting five guys in the box that get like their running back had what three hundred yards today and four touchdowns. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. The the three two six is a little extreme. The downside with well, the three it, three five it, is it, it depends really on are. the nature of your six. Some of those yeah, guys not some, really in the SEC. Some in the SEC, some of those guys are as big as our linebackers. But saying it's six means they're they're playing in a different area. The, though. Yeah. Brett said. Brett says he was very happy to be wrong. Brett, I love Brett Stein. Brett Stein wants to be the smartest guy in the room, so he's got to be the one guy that picks Notre Dame. It didn't work out for <laughs> yeah. you today, Brett. Yeah, yeah. fired. Are you firing him now? 
No, uh, I'm not going to fire him. Boo this man. Boo. boo. If, you, if you worked. <laughs> we shall now worked, all boo Brett. Yeah. Boo. Boo. If he worked covering football, I'd probably have to fire him. But he works covering <laughs> basketball recruiting, so I'll let it slide. Stay in your lane, man. <laughs> hey, and, and by the and by the way, if no, if none of you if you haven't been to the Holy Grail for a watch party, I highly recommend it. It was flipping fantastic today. Oh my gosh, never seen anything we, like it. We have turned that place into the place to be for road games because it yeah, like really. the crazy part today. I don't, I don't, where were you sitting? I was at the bar. You're at the bar. So yeah. the Reds had the TV, the, the giant screen on the outside of the, like the hall of fame. They had the game on there. Well, I guess that was the, like the antenna feed where the grail had the satellite feed. So the one that was outside was like 10 seconds ahead of the one that was inside. Yeah. So if something big happened, the people that were sitting outside in the patio would erupt, and then everybody would look around, and 10 seconds <laughs> later, you would see the big play inside. It was pretty funny. Cool. But that, look, that that you guys do that. Like that, that's why people are willing to to pay us to come out and do these things, because you guys show up and uh it doesn't get much better right now than than going to the Grail for road games because it's just electric. Um, we saw it against Indiana, the, the the loudest I think I've heard that place uh, since we've been doing these watch parties was when Trey Tucker put his foot in the ground and took off, and that yeah. place just exploded. And there were a couple moments that were pretty close today, but th- that place has become so much fun. And if you show up a little bit early, you get me and Tony kind of breaking down the game uh, live in-house. Um, they didn't turn the damn TVs down today. Uh, so we had to talk over the uh, TV feed. But uh, it, it's a lot of fun, man. And, and they do it right. That place has got a lot of room, a lot of space. It can hold a lot of people. And it was all red and black today. There were a couple, there were a couple Ohio State fans that found their way in. There were a couple Notre Dame fans that found their way in, but the Notre Dame fans didn't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> but they were they didn't they they weren't very they weren't very loud uh, today during the game. It was great though. It was a blast. All right, do we? I, I think we got to most everything. Can I can I, I bring up? I, one I did want to give did want to say <laughs> one thing. You can bring up something. After Paul talks, because Paul's going to talk <laughs> over you, whether you try to talk or not. <laughs> I know this. <it's> <laughs> Good Paul. Um, Mike Mayer was an absolute match today. He he's yeah. the best tight end in the in college football. Well, yeah, and and wouldn't come out of the game. I mean, he no. pulled that muscle or whatever, and and got hurt. And still getting open. back out there and was making plays still. Yeah, yeah. So I, he he's the best tight end in college football. Yeah. <laughs> but Real you know. You know who who had I, – I had been critic, a little bit critical of him, but who had a good game today, and I was really worried, particularly because of Merritt being involved. I, I thought Javon Hicks really played a good game today. I thought he was better than, than uh, Cook today at, in his play from safety, and I thought – I thought Mayor got him the one time. He did. He did get him the line of scrimmage a couple times. One time. Yeah. yeah, But I thought Freeman 
was going to know our defensive personnel and know who to go after and what situations and feed that to the offense. And I thought they were going to pick on Hicks and Hicks more than held his own. He had a really good game today. Yeah. They have what the one catch in the first half where he just kind of like they, they, they met about six yards downfield and mayor was able to just get a little bit of separation Yeah, where Javon's yeah. hand was what two inches. He, hit, from he touched that the ball. Away. I think, yeah. I think he actually even touched it. Yeah. And he would like another two inches. He tips that ball away and mayor doesn't catch it. And then mayor had the one off the line that was just nasty where he put the yeah. little hesitation on him. Yeah. And that's, that's what the best tight end in the country does. Like everybody at some point in time is going to get, get beat by that guy if you're you're tasked with with guarding him all day um yeah but you know outside of like mayor had eight catches they uh Lindsay had four the guy that made the long touchdown catch but they didn't have anybody else with more than three and they only completed 23 balls um so yeah i i agree carrie i thought i thought hicks had a really good day um and people have been a little critical of him in coverage trying to fill that um uh, Wiggins role. Wiggins, he's Wiggins. Wiggins we're, we're, was more the guy that played in, like played in coverage, where Cook is kind of replaced Forrest as the the enforcer, the physical guy. But they loved using Wiggins on a tight end, on a slot. You know, using him and as kind of that that fourth. You know, if, they, if somebody's got four guys in the in the pattern. Wiggins would be that who covered the fourth and Hicks is kind of doing that now. Um, but it like, it's tough for the, like we talked about it with Kobe. It, it, it's, it's a numbers game. They are not throwing it sauce. No, They're not, not. No. Nope. So well, the numbers say the other once. three guys, they threw at him once and he broke it up. Same as Indiana. And they threw at him once he broke it up. And he had the interception near that in first zone. drive yeah he was in that, zone, that wasn't really in coverage that was just kind of you know yeah. beavers hit the quarterback and and yeah. sauce was the the benefactor but nobody's throwing at sauce so the other guys like i, I people talk about a shutdown corner and it, it never really clicks until you see like what sauce is doing where the other team just ignores their number one receiver they Chad, write I, off their number one receiver. Chad, I, I have this, this nagging or niggling worry in the back of my brain that Sauce is going to be so good and so effective this year. He's going to play himself out of all American consideration because he has no stats because nobody throws at him. And, you know, but, had, but I think get him getting the interception today was actually yeah. a really good thing. It reminded America, oh, yeah, this guy's, this guy, and, and, I, I won last week too. Yeah, I just, I just saw. I think what will help Sauce is he is he is the PFF darling, right? Yeah. So he is going to every week continue to be hyped by them as you can't throw at this guy. Um, <laughs> I think that has helped him get because it's not like he was test like they teams weren't throwing at him really last year either. They threw at him more than the nothing that they're throwing at him this year, but you're going to continue to see how good the analytics say this guy is. And Stingley's been hurt. So he might be the, the, the number one first team, all American corner. 
because Stingley hasn't hasn't been on the field, I think, the last two weeks. Yeah, nice tackle in the run game also. Well, what's the yeah. stat out? The stat out there is is you're better off throwing the ball into the ground. Yeah. And you'll have a higher rating than <laughs> if you actually throw the ball at sauce. I mean, why why the hell would you do that? I mean, <laughs> we do. We well, get on we get on Bryant a little bit. And I, and I agree with Chad when he said earlier, I think he's he's being a little bit miscast in that softer zone. Um, playing eight, eight yards off. Um, but it's also, like you said, it's a numbers game because they're only going to throw at Bryant. They're only going to throw at Hicks. Um, you know, they're just not going to throw at Gardner. So, I mean, eventually. And they're really throw, not throwing at Bush a whole lot either. Right. Yeah. No, right. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, eventually, if you throw the ball 50 times, you're, you're, you're bound to give up something at some point. Right. No, I agree a thousand percent. And it's, I, I just I'm fascinated by nobody wants to take a shot at him. There's nobody that is saying, look, this is our top guy. Avery Davis is their their number one guy. Right. That's their that's their boundary wide receiver at Notre Dame is Avery Davis. He was targeted 12 times today, he had three catches. That looks an awful lot like what Ty Freifogel's numbers looked like, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that and it's not even sauce as well. Yeah. It's a, it, it, this secondary's fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're spoiled right now because, look, the reality is we're going to watch this next year and go, these, these DBs are terrible. What's wrong with these guys when it's just actually that they're only really, they're only really good. Yeah. I don't you, know uh, did you guys notice at the end of the game when uh, Ritter ran down the field and was going to throw the ball up in the stands? Yeah. And he flubbed it. I didn't see it. He freaking, he, he threw it like it, he flubbed the thing. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Y'all need to watch the the very end of the. I'm sure. I'm I'm surprised it didn't make it onto uh, Twitter somewhere. Yeah, he's he's, tr- he, he's trying to chuck that thing and he flubs it right into the wall. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was trying to keep the ball. <laughs> he was no, not. He, he was it. not. He was not. I know. I'm just being the a smart ass. The announcer laughed at him. Yes. Yeah. It was is this I'd play buy- it off. <laughs> is, is this the best buy game um, that we've had? The only other one I can think of is that Virginia Tech game where Munchie hit uh, Julian. I think we got paid a million and a half or two million bucks for that one. Three and a half. Three and a half. Wow. Yeah, that, this, is, this is. That was because we agreed to move it out of Nipper to Washington, D.C. Yeah, they had to pay All extra that- to buy out of what it was supposed to be and then get what they wanted out of it, I think. Right. Wasn't the Virginia Tech game? Wasn't that a um, was supposed to be a UC home game? And we yes, yeah, Yeah, that's what we're saying. They had to buy out of UC's home game, get it moved, so that it ended up being a lot more than what you would normally uh, get for like a just a standard buy game. And actually, at FedEx Field that day, they had yeah Cincinnati logos in the end zone, so it was kind of like a. It, yeah, Virginia Tech sold it as we'll move it to FedEx Field as a neutral game. Okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, sure. A, a three and a half million in a dub, I'll take it. 
Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, this look, look, this is the best. I think, I think I have to, I've been hesitant because I think that pit win meant so much to the, like, because I think 08, like when I think of 08, that was a really good team. That was a really good team that had their fair share of ups and downs. Like that wasn't a team that just kind of rolled through. Right. And they had a couple losses, but they managed to win the big East and, and get to the orange bowl. That pit game was kind of the signification, like signaling, like Cincinnati can, can do this. They can have an undefeated season and win a conference championship, but it was, it was pit like, the pit with Juan status coach. Right. <laughs> so I, I is with as much angst as there is about Brian Kelly. I said it on the, the BCJ pod Wednesday night, Brian Kelly's a great fucking coach. Yeah, like he is. say what you will about Brian Kelly. You don't like the way he left. You don't like this. You don't like that. I, I'm not going to like disagree with you, but Brian Kelly's a great, football coach and to go into Notre Dame stadium and I'm not a dominate. I think is too strong of a word, but Cincinnati controlled that game. Notre Dame had one push over 15 minutes or so where it felt like here we go, Cincinnati. But for the other 45 minutes of that game, Cincinnati controlled that game start to finish. Best buy game, best game, best road game, uh, you name it. This one now, I think, sits atop the throne. Keith, why is your hand up? I just saw your hand up. That's what he does. That's what I do. <laughs> I know. Do you have well, – yes, yes, Keith. I, I'd like to call on Keith. All right, so my just one minor beef. I'm in – my wife and I are in – South Bend. Action. Action. Actually, we're in Notre Dame. The principality <laughs> of Notre Dame. <laughs> University. So, one, my one beef, the, the toll booths up here suck. We have, like, the easy pass. We couldn't get through any... All right, enough of my beefing. But anyway, the reason I have a hand up, I got to give a call out to Jim Kelly, our color analyst. I heard the replay. At, he, he choked up. It was awesome. We came yes, back, you know, we were with the Republic of Cincinnati guys today at their tailgate, which was awesome. And we're hanging out there having a victory beer. And Jim Kelly walks by and stand, you know, walks by and chats up with us. And yeah, it was full credit. He gave you guys a shout out at, at the, uh, in the post game. He gave you all a shout out. And so, you know, full credit to Jim Kelly walking by and, I have to admit, I have to ask, I'm wondering why he was walking uh -oh. to get back to Cincinnati, but whatever. But yeah, full credit. He came, he came by and had a victory beer with us and he's just super fantastic. Really was. And, I, and, I, and the other thing I want to say is I've seen the depths of how bad this team was back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I'm in 2016. <laughs> I'm in the you know in the UC fan section near the end of the game. I'm crying tears of joy, and I look back behind me, and there's a guy about my age crying tears of joy. 
don't don't ever 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 take this for granted this is not guaranteed enjoy the hell out of this because i certainly am this is just fan fantastic i'll i'll tell you um amen bro. a guy who, who's on the board hell yeah a guy who's on the board um who's a friend of mine um he was at the game today and he texted me this week i didn't realize this He's getting ready to turn 80 and his family bought tickets for this game. And 17 of them went up to celebrate his 80th birthday at that game today. And that's a hell of a birthday party. Oh my God. And it would have been great either way, but to come home with a victory for something like that. Oh my God. It's, it's gotta be one of the great days of his life. I mean, you guys, you guys are like, I, I didn't really get immersed into this until right around 2006 when I started, you know, I was, I was a UC basketball guy, but you know, I, I didn't get involved in the, or didn't like, that wasn't my dad as a kid, wasn't taking me to UC football games because only the sickos like you guys were taking <laughs> your kids to UC football games back then. Um, but to see it now and to hear from Carrie and, and Keith and swing time, rest in peace. like, to stand Tim, Tim hit me Tim. up. Tim, I, we might have Tim. an article from Tim coming yeah. up here in the next couple of days as he was telling stories and he, he hit me up. He's like, can I write an article? I'm like, Tim, <laughs> write an article, send it to my email and I will publish the fucking article. Yeah. You know, Tim doesn't like when I cuss on podcasts, but I cuss. I'm sorry. Tim. Uh, yes, sorry. Tim, you can. Yes, Tim, you can absolutely write an article about your your takes on what this meant in the history of UC football, because you guys are the ones that invested in it when it was crap. And, and now you got to see them go into Notre Dame and not, they did not upset Notre Dame. That's true. They beat Notre Dame as the fucking favorite. You got, if I, if I had told Carrie Hoffman in 2004, that in 2021, UC is going to go into Notre Dame Stadium, play a Notre Dame team ranked in the top 10, beat them, and do it as a favorite, he probably would have kicked me in the nuts. Like, don't toy with my emotions like that. <laughs> I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have believed you and I would have just keeled over. Right. I but mean, it just happened. It just it, happened. It, it did just happen. It's, it, it is spectacular. It's I just don't even don't even know what to say. But now it's like, what else can happen? I don't. We're going in the Big Twelve, and we're going to have some money. And I I just don't. And I think this coach might stay. And Jesus, I don't know what could happen. National championship, Gary. I mean, maybe happen. it could. It's it's becoming tangible. It's unbelievable. If Clemson can win one, why can't Cincinnati? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. We got our Dabo Swinney. Right? That's Jim. what I'm saying. Why how did Clemson do it? They did it by dominating their local recruiting market in a state where South Carolina was always king. They got their coach. They built it up. <laughs> Everybody started believing. They won big games. They were in a conference where there where there's not a dominant figure right yeah there's not going to be a dominant figure 
when Oklahoma and Texas are no longer in the Big 12. There's a lot of good teams, but there's not a dominant, like, national factor. There's a lot of good teams you can beat where you get good wins. You put yourself in a position. If you're on the table, you can play for a national title. Cincinnati today said we're here. We're here. You want no one other, knocking on the door. One other perspective uh, I'll give you from today is um, Luke Fickle today moved up to that same level that Bob Huggins was at in, in the estimation of Cincinnati and UC fans. He has absolute credibility now, and um, an awful lot would have to happen for him to lose it. He's he is you know he's beyond even what BK did in his three years in my in my opinion at this point. I think we all knew at some point BK was going to leave. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think we're all looking at each other now and going, this guy might not leave. He might, but he might not, <laughs> which is that in football, that just hasn't happened here. He's not the climber that the others will be. There's, there's some people over on the Notre Dame board that would like to trade him for Brian Kelly right now. Nah, no, thank you. I think those well, trade people are probably that. pretty smart people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's really hard in this in this climate of college football to understand when you have that one coach. It's just not a ladder climber, you know. And Luke Fickle is just not the guy that goes after the next greatest program to climb that ladder, the next highest dollar. Um, he knows who he is and is comfortable with where he's at. And I think the telling thing is in, in the, the family article was, you know, as long as there are challenges to be had where he's at he is he is happy to be there and he's not climbing the mountain he's building the mountain exactly exactly right and, and you know it's, it's hard to wrap your brain even as a uc fan um all of us i think it's hard to wrap our brains around that because it's just not the norm it's not the norm to come to a place and win a bunch of games and have a florida state or a baylor or a maryland or the next greatest you know conference in the big 10 or sec or wherever throw a bunch of money at you and the guy doesn't not only does he not turn them down he doesn't even interview with them because yeah no i'm good thanks it's really hard to, to wrap your brain around that as a fan can i bury an easter egg deep in this podcast mm -hmm. go ahead. Love just, just between us chad go ahead okay don't you guys don't tell anybody <laughs> i'm pretty sure that Florida State was the situation where Amy shot it down because they didn't fate like they they turned their back on her in the interview. There was nobody tell Luke I'm not supposed to know this. There was an interview with Florida State in the fickle living room. And I think they ignored Amy. And <laughs> you have to be Big a dumb mistake. You have to be a dumb motherfucker <laughs> to do that. I don't know that for sure, but I know like they're like he did do like a, an interview with with Florida State at his house and told him no. Most of them he has he has declined, you know, before it got to that point. Florida State is still Florida like. You listen. If Florida State wants to come sit in your living room and, and talk to you, you let them come sit in your living room and talk to you. But uh, I think the biggest thing, like, I know a lot of people were kind of turned off by that, uh, the LA Times article that came out. 
Mm-hmm. One, because the timing was complete bullshit. But Amy Fickle saying, we, we, I, I don't like to move. I don't like to move. I don't like mm-hmm. to uproot my family. And when you think of her, think about it in the context of like, I hate that I have to keep referencing Justin Williams stories because he's so fucking good at this. But think about when you like you go back to that story Justin did about Amy. If she moves, she has to find new schools for her kids. She's got to find a new place to go do yoga. She's got to go, go find a new place to, to do this, a new place to do that. And she's searched out all of these places that give her that balance in her life that allows her to not only be the wife of a very successful football coach, but to raise six kids. And that balance is very difficult to find. We struggle with that balance. We have one kid. And to, to hear her say that blatantly, like in the open, I don't like moving. I don't want to move. I don't like moving. Like I, I'm not about it. Boy, that had, if that didn't raise your eyebrows out of that whole article, like that was the one thing where I was like, well, there's, she finally, she put it in print. Amy said it with her chest on the record. I don't like moving. I don't want to do that shit. Yeah. She, she was the counter voice to John Cooper, who, who thinks all college football works exactly the way that he thinks it's always worked. Well, why the hell? Of course, John Cooper didn't want you. Of course, John Cooper doesn't want to coach in Ohio. He couldn't beat Michigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I was going to say that, Chad. Um, <laughs> of course he won it if, out. <laughs> but if you look at that USC job, it's that job is so different than any other job out there because you got to have – you got to be flashy. Like, and wow. that's not Luke. That's not Luke. Like you got to be flashy entertainment and that's just not him. No, nope. all, all you have to do, Chad, is give us the word and we will show up on Monday or Tuesday and we will have a communal second barn raising at the fickle <laughs> house <laughs> to make Amy doubly happy. Well, Amy didn't want the barn. Remember, Amy I did thought, not want oh, the barn. Oh, I thought one of the stories indicated that was kind of her idea. Well, no, no, she, no. Amy said, if we're going to do the barn, I'm in charge of the barn. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought maybe because she grew up on a farm, the barn was, well, was it, her thing. It's a sports barn. It's not a, right. it's not a I, barn. I understand, barn. but we're calling it a barn. So Right. No, no, no. That's why like Amy was like, if we're like, I'll agree to the barn. Fine. I'll agree to the barn. But if we're going to do the barn, Amy's in charge of the barn. And uh, you go coach football. And the barn will look like how I want the barn to look. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. Kelly just came upstairs. So I think it's, uh, it's time to call it a night. Let her watch some TV and, uh, and wind down. Things are good, by the way. Good. Um, are you going to be on any of the, uh, the, the uh, college programs around the country this week? Uh, like Sikkim 365 or anything? Uh, they haven't hit me up yet. I, I, I don't know on that front to this point. Um, if I am, uh, I, I usually almost always say yes to any of that stuff because I think it's just good not only for the site, but it's good for the fan base to get that, uh, to get that, that content out there. Um, I, I very, very rarely turn down uh, 
any requests. So that's stupid on my part because sometimes it's overwhelming at this point. Like the preseason stuff, did you? I had no idea how many radio stations in the South do their own top 25 mm. as part of like our morning show is uh, going through their, the, the morning show, the, the Jimmy Bob and Billy Pete morning show in Tuscaloosa is doing their, uh, their morning, their, their top 25 yeah. and Cincinnati's up today. And it was like, you guys really do your own top 25 and people listen to that shit. <laughs> But they do. Uh, so if anything does pop up, Jason, I will be on it. But uh, I haven't been asked specifically as, as yet. I get the feeling between the Sikkim 365 guys and John Kurtz, uh, that's the Kansas State guy, uh, I've built a pretty good relationship with those guys so far. And I think the content that we've been able to produce between those guys has been really good. They ask good questions. They're informed. They know their stuff. Um, so anytime those guys that's, ask me to come on, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, the John John's excellent. I've just, yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, he is really good. And yeah, case he was he was he was shouting this out uh, today, so I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to grab. Yeah, he said it's the biggest Big after. Twelve game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> he literally said that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thanks all you guys for hopping on. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, it added Dave after dark. Dave was ready to. Uh, Dave, I don't think wanted to do it in the first place. He's like, I got a house full of people. Let's just do this shit. Uh, <laughs> so we, we got a little Dave after dark. We got a little happy hour. And uh, there's still people entering the room. Boy, they're going to be mad. Andy, I'm Andy. I'm sorry, bro. Andy B. I'm sorry, man. Uh, but we've uh, we're almost at like two and a half hours now. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up. And, and hopefully this will be good for people driving home from South Bend in the morning. Uh, while they're yeah. sitting in traffic to uh, to listen to this. So thanks, everybody. That's going to wrap it up. I'm Chad Brendel. He was Dave Simone. Thanks to the BCJ community for uh, chiming in. Another great show. Love the happy hour format. And uh, we might have a lot to talk about as this thing continues. So we'll see how it goes. It's thanks, the Chad. Holy Grail. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast. Dave After Dark. Happy hour. Uh, whatever you want to call it, anything else, right here on Bearcat Journal.